you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And of course, we have to get to all the happenings at SEC Media Day yesterday, including I might have to possibly reassess my assumptions on the South Carolina Gamecocks for this coming season. And of course, Commissioner Greg Sankey dropped a hammer about COVID-19 and how the league is going to handle any potential postponements or forfeitures for the coming season Yes, we're still talking about this, folks, but unfortunately this does affect real football. So we'll get to that later, but first I want to talk about something else that Greg Sankey brought up, and that is the SEC football schedule. And just as a quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now, believe it or not, this is going to be the 10th season in the Southeastern Conference for your Missouri Tigers, which means, yes, it's been 10 years of a 14-team SEC structure and football schedule, which has, of course, divided those those 14 teams into two divisions, the East and the West. And frankly, Missouri has been fortunate to be drafted into the East Division. I think we figured that out We assumed it at the time, and well, in retrospect, 10 years later, I think we can all agree that that much is certainly true. And to that point, you're seeing teams out west starting to notice as well. And, well, more than just the competitive balance aspect of it, even, frankly, teams like Florida, Dan Mullen mentioned this, well, Alabama's actually coming to town for the first time in about 10 or 12 years And that's just a really huge marquee matchup for the SEC that should be happening more often than that. I think we can all agree with that. And we as Missouri fans, I think we would like to see the rest of the league a lot more as well. So there's been a lot of ideas out there. I've mentioned this before, so I won't get too heavily into the nitty-gritty details of why I think this is. But to me, getting rid of divisions and entering some type of pod system where you play where you have not just one permanent opponent but maybe as many as three each and every season and as a Missouri fan you might think well why do we need three permanent opponents each and every year well as a Missouri fan frankly we don't need any of this and frankly the league doesn't care about what Missouri wants in this particular case And nor should they, to be perfectly honest, because Missouri is the new kid on the block and it has no real significant rivalries in this league. Sure, you can say Tennessee and South Carolina have maybe gotten there at times, Kentucky to a lesser extent, but there's nothing like what Missouri had with Kansas and to a lesser extent Nebraska and Oklahoma and really anybody who was in the old Big Eight. So really, if you think about it, In each and every one of these last nine SEC campaigns, the Florida Gators and the Missouri Tigers have squared off. Now, from a Missouri fan's perspective, I'm fine with playing Florida every year. It's a marquee game, and actually the Tigers have fared relatively well against the Gators over the years. But from Florida's perspective, 
I'm sure they really couldn't care less about playing Missouri every single season. Now, I get the idea. I've asked this from all the locked-on SEC hosts from around the league, including the locked-on Bama guys. They're all fine with having Missouri in the league, but let's not pretend that there's some big rivalry between Missouri and Florida that Gators fans just can't get enough of. So to me, the pod system, if you will, where every team has a a three, maybe three teams that they play every single season, I would say at least two. Because if you think about it, you have to balance the traditions of the Southeastern Conference and all these rivalries that are decades and decades old. For instance, of course, the Iron Bowl has to happen every single season. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Alabama and Auburn need to be playing every single year. And frankly, Alabama and LSU is such a marquee football game. That's another one you want to see every single year just for the health of the league. And then on top of that, if Tennessee wants to keep their decades-long rivalry where they play Alabama every single season, if they want to keep that cross-division, quote-unquote, rivalry alive in a post-division world, well, that's fine, too. So to me, I think three probably is about the right number, and ultimately it won't really matter who Missouri's three opponents are every year. But it really does matter that we still get Florida-Georgia every year at the cocktail party. And, of course, it matters. We still get the Iron Bowl and all of the and, you know the Egg Bowl. Obviously, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have to play every single year. But beyond that, I just think it'd be so much better for the league if you see Florida and Alabama play more regularly. And frankly, even from a Missouri fan's perspective, I admitted the league doesn't really care about us. Well, even from our perspective, here's the good news. This is still better. I'd still like to see Ole Miss and LSU more regularly in football than we do now. So to me, the pod system with three common opponents and no divisions whatsoever, I think it's a win-win for everyone in the conference. And speaking of a win-win, well, I have to tell you about betonline.ag, which is not only the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports you could possibly imagine, well, we've got a heck of a deal for you here at Locked On Mizzou. When you use the promo code Locked On when you sign up at betonline.ag, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit, and you can use all that free newfound money to bet on whatever you like, including Major League Baseball, or maybe you want to get in on the NBA Finals action tonight. This could be the last game of the season. The Milwaukee Bucks could be crowned the champs, or maybe Phoenix will extend it to a Game 7. Who knows? What's your feeling? Maybe you have a feeling on the over-under. Well, again, the good news is they've got you all covered at betonline.ag. And even better, once again, when you sign up today, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Again, when you use that promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You know, throughout the annals of recent Mizzou history, when I think of guys who have won the press conference, quote unquote, Well, we've got a pretty wide range of outcomes there because I first think of Frank Haith, who definitely won the press conference, at least according to the local media. Well, Frank had his up and down times at Mizzou, that's for darn sure. Then Kim Anderson was said to have won the press conference. Well, we all know how that went. But Eli Drinkwitz, I'd say, won the press conference as well. And 
Well, certainly, we don't know how ultimately the Eli Drinkwitz experience is going to turn out. After one year, it's looking a lot better than the Kim Anderson experience. So quite a range of outcomes there. But the conventional wisdom yesterday down in Mobile, Alabama, was that Shane Beamer won the press conference down at SEC Media Days. Shane, of course, son of Frank Beamer, and that more importantly, the new South Carolina Gamecocks football coach. Now, I'll admit to being impressed by Shane Beamer yesterday, and mostly I was impressed that he took the opportunity to grab that national audience and basically pitch, without using his names, one of the top tight ends in the country. It seems like Beamer and the Gamecocks are very much in on. I know the young man noticed on Twitter yesterday. That's for darn sure. So Beamer using some unconventional tactics to pitch being a tight end at South Carolina while not directly actually talking to a high school kid. Interesting tactics. Definitely not illegal, but definitely on the edge too. But mostly I had to stop myself for a second and think, you know what, as I actually look at this South Carolina roster and listen to some people that whose opinions I really do respect and trust a lot, there probably is more talent overall on this South Carolina game cock squad for this coming season than I initially thought. But I still lean toward the idea that the Gamecocks probably going to be rebuilding this year, and really this is a game that Missouri really, really, really needs to win. But I, I don't just want to make a you-know-what out of you and me and, and just assume that South Carolina is going to be bad this year because – that may not be the case. You know, maybe this Shane Beamer kid, maybe he's another Eli Drinkwitz, you know. Frank Beamer, obviously one of the great coaches of this era, having made South made, excuse me, Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia of all places, into a desirable location for guys to go play football. That's a heck of an accomplishment. So frankly, Shane Beamer has more to work with at South Carolina than his dad did when he took over in Blacksburg, Virginia. So the idea that Shane Beamer could maybe, maybe that apple didn't fall too far from the tree, I could definitely see that happening. But And yet still, year one, I got to think there's going to be some growing pains in Columbia East, but let's not just totally assume a Mizzou victory at this point. I think I may have gotten a little bit ahead of myself there. Now, from the LSU side, obviously, Ed Orgeron, their head coach, took the podium yesterday, and really the only notable moment came when Orgeron was asked about an ongoing investigation into some rape allegations surrounding his football program, and, well, you got a pretty terse answer there from Orgeron saying, yeah, I'm not going to comment on that, and then sarcastically saying, but thanks for asking, really appreciate it, that kind of deal. Honestly, I think, you know, not the best probably PR moment in the history of LSU football there. That's for darn sure. But what I think that speaks to is just how hot Ed Orgeron's seat is for this coming season. Bo Pelini, yeah, that didn't work out as defensive coordinator last year. Very unsurprisingly, he only lasted one year down in Baton Rouge. So two new coordinators actually down in LSU, the defensive and offensive sides of the football. Really, it just seems like they have too much talent not to not to bounce back to maybe nine or ten wins. That kind of feels like. 
where LSU will be unless they happen to drop an early one at UCLA. That could really be a huge pivot point game for that program. But bottom line, isn't it amazing how far that program kind of fell, or at least certainly Ed Orgeron has fallen from, gosh, just an unbelievable 2019 season to a 500 campaign, all SEC, of course, in 2020, and now very much on the hot seat. If LSU disappoints, maybe goes 8-4 and four this year, don't expect to see him back in 2022. And, of course, Florida coach Dan Mullen was not the only one to make headlines coming out of this event when he talked about the schedule. Yes, we, we, we took on the schedule in our first segment, but now, unfortunately, it's time to take on covid after this break because Commissioner Greg Sankey said the teams have to cancel games this year. Well, forfeit is not a policy for decision-making. So I want to get into what exactly Commissioner Sankey meant by that, what it means for the Tigers and all of college football. But of course, I have to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And my goodness, with all the ever-increasing numbers and makes and models on the road, hey, that's a great thing for us as a consumers. We've got options, and most of these are really good options now. But the problem is it gets really difficult to find what auto parts you need just by walking into an auto parts store. How do you even narrow it down, quite honestly? And the guy who's at the front checkout, the counter guy, He's often not that helpful and sometimes a little bit rude. So why not just skip this entire unsatisfying process and instead go to rockauto.com and save yourself some time and, most importantly, money. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And please write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So obviously the big news emanating from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey's remarks yesterday at SEC Media Days is that, well, if you can't field a team this season, there's going to be no more moving games around trying to fill in trying to get teams to move their games, fill in bye weeks. No, if you can't field a team, if you can't meet the minimum roster requirements, whatever it might be, well, then that is going to be a forfeit and a loss for your team this upcoming season. Now, whether or not the league should accommodate teams that need to reschedule games or they should forfeit games, that's one discussion. But to me, the much more pertinent question is, why are we still doing this? Why are we still treating athletes as a different class of people than we're treating the fans? And if you don't think that's an accurate statement, what are we talking about here? It's been two months since the NBA has basically been back, for all intents and purposes, at full capacity. If you've been watching these NBA playoff games like I have, well, you'll notice They've been 100% packed to the gills with people in the stands, and the vast majority of people are not wearing masks. In fact, I would say 98% of the people are not wearing masks. It seems like the people in the first couple rows are still required to do so, but everybody else, it's just game on. And obviously the reality is those fifteen to 20,000 people, 
Well, if you look at the overall population of the United States, about half of them are not vaccinated. That just has to be the case because the overall country, it's about 50-50, right? Some people have decided to get it and some people have not. Clearly, the NBA is not testing every single person that comes through the gates. They're not asking them for their vaccine proof, their passport, whatever the heck you want to call it. None of that is happening. So, but And yet, we're still testing the players regularly. If they even test positive with no symptoms, we're making them sit out games. Again, whether you think that's the right thing to do or not, we're not doing it with the fans. And correct me if I'm wrong, are the fans not in the same airspace as all the guys? What are we talking about here? Because to me, the SEC will come back and say, See, whatever you think about COVID, what we're doing right now makes absolutely no sense. This idea that we have two classes of people in sports, and that's the fans. We have one group of rules for the fans and one group of rules for the athletes. When, in fact, the athletes, if you actually look at the science of all this stuff, you look at the actual statistics, well, they're among the least likely people to have any serious side effects from this virus. And in fact, none of them die from it. Literally not one athlete that I can think of has died from this. Name me one. If I'm wrong, please name me one. I'm begging you. I I challenge you with that. So to me, once we go back to the question and say, why are we still doing this? Well, the SEC League office, they'll tell you in public that it's about science and safety. But again, if it's about science and safety... Nothing that I've just explained there makes any sense whatsoever. So to me, all of this is really, it's about money, of course, because naturally we're going to treat the fans different because, well, we want them in the stands. We want their money. We want to stop hemorrhaging money in this post-COVID world. That's understandable, but then there's the other part. It's not just about money. It's about optics, too. Ah, yes, optics. Now, here's something that everybody in 2021 except me seems to care about, which is optics. You see, that's really what this whole, oh, 85% of people on the team need to be vaccinated or else, you know, you have to go through contact tracing and all this stuff. Well, despite the fact that, again, just based on the last two months of NBA playoff basketball, where half the people in the stands are unmasked and unvaccinated and nobody seems to care, and yet we have this other group of people called the athletes who are young, who are in fabulous shape, which those are the two biggest risk factors for COVID. Are you overweight and your age? Those are the two biggest variables in terms of your COVID outcomes. So why are we treating the athletes who are at the lowest risk of almost anybody in society? We're making them have a high, go to a higher standard than the people who pay to come watch them play? How does that make any sense at all? That's all I'm asking. If somebody has an answer for me there, other than, to me, the answer is very obvious. It's money and it's optics because it certainly can't be science and safety because if you're going to base something on science – It's got to have some type of observable, repeatable, rational results, and yes, some type of actual logic. I mean, heck, I'm just a fan, right? So why do I even care? I'm going to get to go to the full capacity for Field this year, probably won't have to wear a mask. So really, how does this affect me, right? 
Well, I happen to care about the players, too. I really do. And I just don't think that it's fair that we're putting them through a whole bunch of stuff that we're not putting ourselves through as fans. How is that fair? Why do they have to be tested all the time? Why do they have to put on these masks and socially distance from all their friends when, in fact, a lot of these guys did take the vaccine and yet they're still going to be thrown, their whole team is thrown into the same basket. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, man, I promise you all, if I never have to do another COVID-19 segment again on the history of the show, no one will be happier than yours truly. Well, other than maybe you, the audience, but I promise I'll be thrilled as well. But you know what? If you want to get on a topic that's a little lighter, how about the NBA draft? You guys know I'm a huge NBA fan. Well, I encourage all of you to listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from Chad Ford, Brian Scalabrini, Ryan McDonough. Oh, yes, just all kinds of good stuff. Come on, we got Brian Scalabrini and Chad Ford. This is really an excellent podcast and something that I have been enjoying already. Part 2 is out today with picks 6 through 12. You can't go wrong on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts Or even better on the new Odyssey app because Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And with all that being said, that'll be it for me on this show. I will see you all tomorrow right here on Locked on Missouri.